0: We're in Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, let me tell you what we want to do today. We want to look into the future today. We want to talk about the future. Everybody's got one. We want to talk about how our father deals with future. And then we want to talk about your future. And I don't care whether you're uh, 18, 19, 20 years old, just getting started or where you're like me, you're older and dirt and you're getting toward the end of the runway. Everybody's got a future. Now you, you might say to me, You really think you can know the future? Nobody can know the future. Let me tell you something. I know somebody knows the future. And uh, he wrote a book in the Bible called Revelation where he reveals the future and I've read it. And let me tell you, he's batting a thousand so far. So far, so good. He is right on the money with the future. He not only knows the future of the earth, he knows your future. He would like to shape your future if you'll let him, but he won't force your future. You're gonna have to cooperate with him. And we want to talk about the future and we want to just, everybody needs to do this once in a while. Matter of fact, the Bible says this, teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. You know what that means? Set down and think about the future so you can do something about it. And we're going to talk about the future today. And uh, let me tell you something about the future. You're going to face it one of two ways. And we're, this is really coming to light in this virus thing. You're going to face the future with fear or faith. There's, there's no other, it's either fear or it's faith. One of those two things, and you're going to face the future like that. Now, let me point something out to you from Scripture and from experience. Everybody basically lives by one of three things. And a lot of times with some of us, it's a combination of these three things. Everybody either lives by intellect, emotions, or faith. Everybody either lives out of their intellect their emotions, or their faith. And then some of us mix it up and go back and forth sometimes. If you're an intellectual, we would call you a very cerebral person. You're very logical. You calculate things. You have to understand things. All of life has to fit between your ears. And uh, you make decisions. You're very science-based. And you, you just live logically. And that dictates your life. A lot of, I know a lot of, I got a lot of friends like that. If you're an emotional person, you live out of your feelings. If it feels good, we going there. And and you, you're, a, you're also what we call a roller coaster type person. And the book of James calls that person one who is tossed and driven by the wind and the waves and feelings kick you around. But you might be a faith person. And a faith person is somebody who has learned to live above their intellect, above their emotions. Uh, let, me, let me, would anybody here like to guess at which one we need to be moving toward? Scripture obviously points us that we're to be people of faith. The Bible says this, the just shall live by faith. Now, let me point something out here. Many people believe that faith is a blind leap in the dark. Nothing could be further from the truth. Faith is rock solid evidence. Greater than intellect. Far greater than emotions. And I want us to read this morning in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, what faith is. Dear This is the definition of faith in the Bible. One verse. Don't let anybody teach you that faith is anything except what you're fixing to read. I've heard some of the goofiest, craziest stuff. Listen to what God says about faith. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, what's the word now mean? It don't mean yesterday. It means now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Have you quit hoping? Have you given up hope? Have you lost hope? Was, we're, we are, we're a, we're a, we're should be a creatures of hope. You know why we should be creatures of hope? Because we are created in the image of God. Yes. Our hearts, are, everything about us is created in the image of God. Let me tell you one thing I know about him. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing that you might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our God is a God of hope. And we're created in his image. And we should be a people who live in hope. That's not original with me. I've heard it for years, but it couldn't be more true. Uh, You can live 40 days without food, seven days without water, about seven or eight minutes without air. But you can't live one second without hope. You take hope away from people, you have taken the reason for living away. Hope is the driving force of life. And we should be a people of hope. What does the Bible say faith is? Faith is the substance or gives substance to what you're hoping for. Can I ask you a question? Can you have faith till you have hope? We've got to get back to hope first. We have to become a people of hope before we can have faith. Because faith is what takes what you're hoping for and makes it a reality in your life. Now, dear ones, if, if, you're a, if your favorite song is just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away, tune me out and go watch an old movie or something. The people of God have no business singing just a few more. And I know I I pick on that song. Dear ones, I serve a God who is exceedingly abundantly able to do above all I could ask or think. He's the God of hope. He's the God of dreams. Dreams and hope are being attacked in our land right now. A darkness is covering the earth, deep darkness to people, as the Bible said. And I'm watching people lose hope. I'm, I'm watching people get in survival mode. That's not hope. But let me tell you what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Because our God is a God of hope and we should be people, we should just live our lives just, just, uh, how about bubbling? Let's use the word bubbling. That's a good theological word. Just bubbling with hope. Just, just get up every day. God, it's going to be great. You said, what planet are you living on? What book are you living in? This planet don't dictate my life. This book dictates my life. And he wants it to dictate your life too. He gives another one. It actually says two things. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The what? Evidence of things not. And the proper language you read like this. The evidence of things not yet seen. So how can you know some of hadn't come yet? I've got evidence. I've got proof of things nobody can see yet. That's faith. Faith is when you know something nobody else can see. And and dear was this, this, uh, let me tell you this about faith again. It is supra intellectual because the intellect can only go as far as it sees. Faith is above, faith is not anti-intellectual. I know some people who think it is. It's not. Faith is supra. It is above the intellect. My faith can go where my intellect can't take me. God Almighty, have mercy. My faith can sure take me where my emotions can't take me. Oftentimes emotions are anti-faith. Faith is what we want to live by. We want to live with the substance of things we're hoping for. We want to live proof, evidence of things that hadn't shown up yet. I don't have to wait to see it to know it's coming. That's what faith is. And that, listen, you'll always, our future should just be in faith. We have to stare at it in faith. Now, uh, let me, uh, uh, let, let's just, I want, to, I want to reiterate it again. It is not all about one day in heaven, it will be good. What kind of sadistic God would save me and leave me on this planet and stay, stuck, eggs, dude. And one day it'll be good. I don't find that in the Bible. Jesus Christ died that I might have eternal life and abundant life. John chapter 10, verse 10. I came. Listen, that man bled out his life naked on a cross so I could have a great life. So how can it happen in these days? I want to make an announcement. My God is bigger than my circumstances. He's bigger than what I read in the newspapers. He fills heaven and earth. And he he is a, he's just a faith God. Now, Now, you say, well, brother Brian, how do you know what he's got planned for you? I read the Bible. There, there was, we, we have got to have a resurrection of the Bible in our minds and hearts and lives. All right, I'm going to pull one out you're probably familiar with. What if God Almighty were a peer to you? Or, no, no, that'd that shock you too much. What if Gabriel just showed up? Just send Gabriel. And he said, God sent me with a message to you. So what is it? He said, he has plans for you. Plans for good, not for evil. To give you a great future full of hope. Would that light you up? I got something better than Gabriel. I got that book right there. I just quoted you Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. For good, not for evil. To give you a future full of hope that will light you up. I throw the light you up part in because I know it. There's a file on God's desk with your name on it you'd crawl across broken glass to get what's written in that file. That's what this book teaches. You know how you get it? You know how you bring it to pass? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith gives substance to what we want in life. It gives us the desires of our heart. So let's do this. You um, so where, where do you get this kind of faith? Pray for me that I'll have it. Faith don't come from prayer. Take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 10. This is the foundational verse of faith. If you're going to see the future, you got to get it right here. And numerous places but this is the foundational verse I'm I'm just going to cut to the chase while you're turning I know my future for the next 20, 22 years he's shown it to me I I wouldn't tell it to you because you'd laugh at this age, I'll be 63 this summer, people normally winding down you know, they get them plaid shorts on and them white knee socks and them black shoes that Velcro over and they sit around Walmart watching women walk by That ain't happening. He has lit me up with my future because I've done what He said. So where'd you find that from? Romans 10, 17 says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God will tell you the future if you'll listen to Him. He will tell you the future if you'll listen to Him. And, and here's how you know you've heard Him talk about the future. You can't sleep. It will light you up. Uh, what well, well, no, well, What if somebody came up with a saying like this? Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Wouldn't it be great? Let's stretch stretch our faith out a little bit here today. Now, if faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, that was one of two things. My faith is all about in the word of the father. If he tells me something, I can trust him. And that word comes one of two ways. And I want want to teach you this because we need to know this. It comes uh, from the scripture. There are two words for the word word. One is logos. One is rhema. The logos is the word of God to everybody in his family. They're all the promises of God. They're written in the Bible. And you can look it up. Uh, When he says, I would, I, I pray that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. That's a promise for everybody in the family of God. If it's a promise in this book, it's been paid for by Jesus, that's Galatians 3, and it belongs to every single person in his family. You can claim any promise in this book, that's faith. But there's something in the Bible called rhema. That's a personal word. That's only to you. Because our Heavenly Father has plans for everybody in His family, but He also has plans individually for every person. The Bible said this: He looks upon all the sons of men, He fashions their hearts individually. I want to show you this in the Bible. Let's turn me to John chapter 10 where the Bible said that he has specific words for every person. Listen, every single human being, you know, he's got general plans for all of us, but he has a plan for every single person. And uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, you would trade, I don't care what your best plan is for your life, you would throw it into garbage if you saw his plan for you. Philippians chapter 3, my beloved brother Paul said this, I was following the plan of my life. But when I saw God's plan, I counted my plan as garbage to get what he promised. All right, John chapter 10. This is where Jesus talks about people that listen to him. And uh, you can hear him. I had a preacher one time got ill with me for talking about hearing God. I said, God said this to me. He got ill about it. He said, you're telling me God speaks to you. And he got ill about it. A lot of people get ill about that. My response was, since the Bible says my sheep hear his voice. You're telling me you don't hear him? We're still working on this smart aleck thing. John chapter 10. I love this passage. John chapter 10 verse 2 says this. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Who Are we, are we talking about Jesus here? In case you're wondering, verse 11 says this. I am the good shepherd. All right, Jesus is the shepherd of my soul. We find that through the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. He entered through the door. Verse 3 says this, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep do what? They hear his voice. Dear as you can hear the voice of God. And he calls his own sheep by name. What does it mean by name? That's individual. Now some things he says to the whole family, that's the logos, that's every promise, but there are things he says just to me that he won't say to you. There's things he says just to you that he won't say to me. He calls his own sheep by name, watch this, and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and they follow him. Why do you follow Jesus? Because they can hear his voice. They know his voice. This is the promise of the Father. He said, Well, if I follow Jesus, where's he going to take me? The answer is in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have the most wonderful, abundant, full life. Who are you going to follow? Where you want to end up? Abundant or stolen from? Where do you want to end up? Verse 27 says this. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So dear ones, there faith can be the promise of God for every person. But God will speak to you individually and show you things he's planned for you that are just for you and nobody else. And we've got to hear that. We've, we've got to hear the future. I don't want to show you in the Bible how he does this. I want to show you how good he is to do this and then then let's apply it personally to our lives. Go all the way to Genesis chapter 15. There's a man in the Bible and God gave him the title the father of faith. He's also called the father of us all and his name was Abram at one time. It was later changed to Abraham but this is a great picture of how God will take a person speak to them about things and then bring it to pass in their lives I, I love this passage This is one of the, to me this is one of the most exciting passages in the Bible Genesis chapter 15 follow with me Genesis 15 1 after these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying now here's what he said to him do not be afraid Abram I am your shield your exceeding great reward so he speaks to this man what did he tell him he's two things I'm your shield somebody take a wild guess I'll protect you. I'm your shield. But why did he say I'm your exceeding great reward? I'm going to protect you and I'm going to do things for you. Do you remember seeing the word reward in the Bible anywhere else? Hebrews 11.1, we read that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you'd have read right below that you would have read without faith. It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he's there and he's a rewarder not of those who go to church, not of those who are religious, but for those who are fascinated with Him and say, show me your face. You don't get the blessing of God by being religious. You get the blessing of God by saying, show me what you look like. Those who pursue Him. Well, reward, what is my father? What's the Bible called my heavenly father? A rewarder. Now, in other words, He just loads it on you. Here it is. All right, watch what He told him. Abram answers in verse two. Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? There, at my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Abraham, or Abram said, Look, you've given me no offspring. One born in my house is my heir. Did that man just open his heart to God? I think, I think it's funny in there when he said, What did you give me? You don't know what God had already given him. Now, he, this man had been walking with God for years. Look in chapter 13 of verse 2 at what the Lord had already given him. Chapter 13, verse 2. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. You can look a little further and you find that he had so much livestock, his herds were so numerous, the land couldn't sustain it. This man had thousands of animals. He was, this was one of the world's wealthiest men. God gave it to him. But this man opened his heart to God and, and God had blessed him. He'd led him. They'd been friends. But he opened his heart and he said, there's something in here that I don't have yet that I want. I want a son. I want a child. And he opened his heart to God. And he he revealed to him that this was in his heart. All right, I want you to look at something with me. Verse four, and behold, the word of the Lord came. Now listen to me, the Lord speaks to him, and you gotta get the sequence. The Lord speaks to him and he says, he'd done this for years already. This is the nature of our God to just keep reminding us, I'll take care of you and I'll be good to you it came to him He said I'm your shield I'm going to reward you and he said you, you, you've done so much for me you've made me wealthy I've been blessed and he had protected him kings had been protected turned away from him he'd been protected but he said there's one thing that I don't have that I really want and the Lord listened to him All right, father speaks again in verse 4 listen to what he said behold the word of the Lord came to him saying this one's not going to be your heir one who will come from your own body shall be your heir What do you tell him? All right. After all I've given you and all I've done for you, if that's what's in your heart, I'll give you that too. This is the goodness of God. I just didn't realize the Lord to do that. All right. Let me, we can't take time on this, but let me hit it a little bit. I quoted to you earlier, Psalm 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. What if that happened to you? What if you could do like this man and open your heart to God and say, you've been good to me. You have fed me. You have protected me. You've been good to my family. Can I have one more thing? Yes. There's something else I'd really like to have. And the Lord said, I'll give it to you. I'll give you the desires of your heart. Ones, let me tell you how this thing works. Now, when you hear that verse, Psalm 37, 4, and there are many verses like it, many promises. When you hear that verse, delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Does that mean he will put desires in your heart? Or does that mean he will give you what your heart already desires? Yes. Philippians 2.13 says this, God is at work. I want to make an announcement. Somebody should write a song, even when I don't see, I don't know. God is at work. God is at work. Philippians 2.13, God is at work in you To will and to work for his good pleasure. You know why Abraham wanted that son? You know why this man said, look, you bless me. I'm wealthy. I've got servants. God, if I just had a son, guess who put that in there? God planted that in him. Guess why? So he could bring it to pass. That is the nature of our God who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, when I was a young man, religion taught, religion taught me so much crap. I'm still trying to forgive them. I was taught that if you're going to be a Christian, you have to give up what you want to do and follow God. But at least you get to go to heaven one day. You understand why I'm still mad at them people? Oh, sweet Jesus, help me. All right. Because, you know, all I knew was a bunch of crabby, mad old people who didn't like Led Zeppelin. And I thought, great, I got to be like you. No, no, no. Listen to me. God will give you the desires of your heart. Here's what Psalm 100 teaches. He created you to give you the desires of your heart. He puts them in there so he can bring them to pass. Listen to what the Bible said. I delight to do your will. And your plans are the desire of my heart. That's Psalm 40 verse 8. Hebrews chapter 10 and excuse me, Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 and in chapter 10 he said this, I will write my desires on your heart. You know what that means? I'll put stuff inside of you and cause you to want it so I can give it to you. Yes, yeah. Amen. Praise Who can top this? Right. I mean, this is, this is good right here. So he gives him the desires of his heart. He puts it in his heart. And this is the goodness of God. This is his plan. But let me point something out here. Um, let's go further. Let's go further. Let's read verse five. All right, verse four, he said, you want a son? I'll give it to you. Verse five, he brought him outside. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I love this. I love to meditate on this verse. Brought him outside and said, look now toward the heaven, count the stars. If you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. This man just wanted one child. God said, he said, he said, let's walk outside while we're talking. He goes outside. It's night. And remember it's night. Night there is not like night. It is here. Night. It, it is night here. Whatever. Because most of us can't see the stars because of the light clutter around us there were no electric lights back then and when he looked up he saw millions and God said look up there look look at that count them. and he said Abraham count them I don't know how high he got up to <laughs> finally he said I can't count them and he looked at me and he said those are your children so shall be your descendants you know what that tells me right there if you would turn him loose he'd start dreaming with you and he'd let you dream. He'd say, he'd say, look up there, look up there, look at that. He'd put dreams in your heart and, and he would say, let's dream. Now I want to ask you a question. Man doesn't have a child. He just wants one son and the father says, you won't be able to count your children. Is that big? You say, well, Brother Brown, I don't want no more children. Then that's not your dream. The, it's, it's a, he's teaching us. This is the nature of our God. To give us the desires of our heart. And what did Abraham ask for? What did he ask for? One son. What did he give him? Nations will come from you. The Messiah will come out of your loins, Abraham. And he did. Jesus was a direct descendant of this man. He he just said, this is what you want here. Here. This is the nature of God. All right. Now here's where the faith part comes in. Faith has got to take over now. Have we got the promise? Was this a word from God? Do you think he can swing it? Well, you, you've, you know history. You know what he did. It's pretty big though, isn't it? Yeah. Now Now's where the faith comes in. This is where we got to take over right here. All right. <clears throat> By the way, we have a problem here. I don't, after all that fun stuff, I hate to throw this problem in. What's the problem? It's the number 85. That's the man's age right now. They wanted kids for years and years, never could have one. And God says, you're going to have a son. we got this slight problem called 85. Let me tell you a bigger problem than that. 75. Technically, some men have fathered children at 85. Been a long time since a 75-year-old woman birthed a baby. His wife was 75. Is that a problem? This is a problem, Houston. When you And listen, she wasn't a lady who had a lot of babies and was going to have one late. She was barren. She could never have children. And now she's 75. And God just said, you're going to have a child. See where the faith comes in. All right, let's, let's go through the steps here. If you're a logical person and you live by logic and you can go no higher than your intellect and God Almighty tells you, a 75-year-old woman that's barren's going to have a baby, where are you going to bottom out? X. Ain't going to happen, is it? God's going to leave you, God's going to leave you right here Because you got to go beyond your logic to walk by faith. All right, suppose you're an emotional person and you live by your feelings. And God says, 75 year old woman, y'all hear that? That's her crying in the tent. 75 year old woman, gonna have a baby. Your emotions just go spastic. What's the only thing that can carry you when the promises are this big? Faith. Faith. It's got to go above your intellect. It's got to go. Now, listen, not anti intellectual stupid. But this man's got proof. Tell me what proof is? Faith is the proof of things not yet seen. You you can bank your life on God's word and God's promise. Faith's gonna have to go beyond what you can think and what you can feel. And this man's capable of doing it. And only listen, dear ones. Only faith can bring the promises of God to pass. They're too big for your intellect. They're they're way beyond your emotions. Only faith can bring these promises to pass in our lives because faith is the substance of things hoped for. I hope you're still hoping for something. I hope you haven't reached a place in your life where you just get up, eat your breakfast and drag through the day. God's people dream and they dream big. Now let me point something out. We have to constantly be reminded this about the God we walk with. Oh, we're having trouble getting this. We all have trouble getting this. Isaiah 55, 8, and 9. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Quit trying to bring him down to us. Let's go up to him. Quit telling him to get between our ears. Let's go up to faith. This is how he works right here. This is how he operates right here. All right, I've said it so many times, you're getting tired of hearing it, but I'm fixing to say it again. Here it is. If you never learned anything else from me about the Bible, I want you to learn this. He will offend your head to test your heart to see if you can believe him and trust him so he can be good to you. That's what faith is. It is when God offends your head to test your heart to see if you will say, yeah, I believe so he can do this kind of stuff for you. But if you can't get over your head being offended, you can go to heaven one day when you die, but you gonna suck eggs till you get there. You need to get into just a few more weary days crowd. That ain't going to happen. Faith will carry you there. All righty. You got this man, and Abraham's just like me and you. God has been so good to him. They've been friends for years. He's blessed him. He's loaded. But there's something down in his heart he'd really love to have. Let me me ask you a question. Don't answer, but just wherever you're at. What's the one thing? If if God Almighty were to come to you and say, what do you really want? Tell me what's in your heart. Open your heart to me. What's the one thing you'd love to have? don't you just be thinking about that? Isn't that what he did? Abraham opened his heart and said, you've been good to me, but if I could have one thing and it appeared to him, he gave him this tremendous dream, gave him a vision. Whose court is the ball in now? He took him outside. He said, you want a son? i tell you, I'll give you nations. I'll make it. I'll give you more than you thought. Whose court's the ball in now? Abraham, Abram. He's still Abram right now. His name wasn't changed yet. All right, let's see. He's got to make a decision. Verse six. Let's read it. Uh, Genesis 15, six. And he believed in the Lord. There it is. This man, he had prayed. How many prayers you think he'd prayed for a child through all those years when she was at least in childbearing range? He gave up. And he prayed and prayed. It never happened. God comes to him and he says, uh, what's in your heart? He said, I've always wanted a child. You know why I wouldn't go away? Because God will not let what he wants to do for you go away till he brings it to pass. So he takes, he shows him the stars and he said, I'll do this for you. And you know what Abraham said? Abraham just looked at him and said, amen. Thank you. You're going to do this, aren't you? Abraham didn't go, do you not? Do I need to show you Sarah's driver's license? Do you not know how old Sarah is? Look at me. Look at me. He didn't go through all that crap, mess, stuff. He didn't let his emotions drive his life. You know what he said? God tells the truth. I got, amen. He just believed. What's the greatest thing you'll ever do? Believe God. Why do you think they call us believers? Guess what believers do? That's why they don't call us behaviors. Because we don't behave, but we can believe. We believe. There's, we just believe. Did, did this man have proof? Yeah, he had the promise of God, which is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. I want you to memorize Hebrews 11. 1. All right. Now, you say, well, man, I, I like this. This is good for him. This is not in here for him. Right. He was dead after this. I mean, he, he was dead before this was written. Guess what this is in here for? me and you. The Bible is God speaking to you. Why did God put this in here? Years ago, we used to love to go to a place one of our favorite places to go was Tweetsie Railroad. Y'all have been to Tweetsie? Take our kids to Tweetsie Railroad. It's a real theme park. They still shoot real guns and people still fall over. It's good. It's, it's not, if you're PC, don't go to Tweetsie. It's wonderful. I was going to tweet, they had a, they had a fudge factory up there. And you could smell it. It was on purpose to manipulate the children. They had this fudge factory. You could smell it all over the place. Now our kids were just a little. We'd take them up there, and uh, of course, we'd end up buying them that fudge. You know, their mom was a vegetarian, so we had to get over it. So we'd go up there and buy them that fudge. Now, could you imagine me taking my son, he's just a little fella, taking him up there to that fudge factory? And letting him look in there and walk around and let him smell all that. Let him put his little nose right up against the glass and see all that. And then grab him by the hand and say, come on, you're not a getting none. And march him out of there. What kind of father would I be? Do you think my heavenly father would put all this in here and then say, you're not a getting none? Friend, the Bible is God speaking to you. Showing you who he is and what he'll do. And this is one of the great passages where he does that. All right, but now here's the deal. He's, 50, he's 85, she's 75. There's a period between the promise and the showing up. There's a period between when God promises you something and when it shows up. For him, it was, does anybody know how long? 15 years. It was 15 years from the promise. <laughs> this is hilarious. Uh, you know, it's my 88th birthday today. Don't mean to be pointing this out. It's my 94th birthday. Thought I'd come out and see you and talk about that. Listen, 15 years. What's that 15 years between the promise and the production? What's it called? Faith. Faith. That's where the faith comes in. It's when you believe God before the promise shows up. I don't want you to look at the, you got to go to the book of Romans to read the rest of the story. And this is where he speaks to me and you. Romans chapter four is where he finishes the story. Let's turn to the other side there. Go all the way to the book of Romans in the New Testament. This is one of the greatest lessons and the book of Romans is written to teach me and you how to do what he did. You know, I'd love to have, I would love for God almighty to say to me, you tell me what's in your heart. I'll give it to you. I I would love, love that. Now he's, he's going to purify my desires. My desires are not a Ferrari. I, I tried riding one. I don't even fit. That's for little tiny Italian people. The desires of my heart are not more junk. I can't dust what I got now. I got dreams that are just crazy. But it's not to waste it on my carnal lust. Good gosh almighty. They're bigger than that. I love Romans chapter 4. And this is the finish of the story where it teaches me and you something. Romans chapter 4 says this. Verse 16. It is of faith that it might be according to grace. You'll never earn anything from God. It's always grace. Grace means I will give you what you don't deserve. But what receives the grace? Faith. Dylan's grace is the kindness that gives it, faith is the hand that receives it. I don't care how much grace he gives, if you don't have faith, you won't have it. And he goes on to talk about Abraham, the father of his all. all right, let's read verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Is that written? Didn't we just read that in Genesis 15? I made you a father of nations. In the presence of him whom He believed, now listen, God is fixing to tell you about himself in verse 17. God, who gives life to the dead, and maybe God can give life to the dead, not just dead bodies, dead marriages, dead churches, dead businesses, dead dreams, dead hope. God makes things come alive. He gives life to the dead, and I love this description of God in verse 17 who caused those things which do not exist as though they did. He's going to tell you what's going on before it gets there. One day a man came to Jesus. I think it's Mark five came to Jesus said, my daughter has died. Would you come put your hand on her? And Jesus went in and everybody's crying. And he said, y'all get out of the house. And he said, do not cry. She's not dead. She's just asleep. You said no, she was, she'd been declared dead by the doctor. God calls those things which be not as though they were. He'll talk to you about things that hadn't shown up yet. All right, watch what happens here. This is the fun part right here. Abraham, let's talk about Abraham, verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed. Can you do that? Do you tell me what faith does. Contrary to hope, in hope, it will believe. Would you agree with me that an 85-year-old man and a 75-year-old woman, that's a pretty hopeless situation when it comes to birth and babies. Can I get a witness? Yes. That's what it means, contrary to hope. That's right. there was, listen to me, listen to me. Intellectually, there was no hope. Medically, there was no hope. Emotionally, no hope. That man, contrary to intellectual hope, emotional hope, medical hope, in hope, he believed. Right. He believed God when there was no hope any other way. That's what faith is faith can look into the most pathetic situation and say, I believe. And he he did it. He believed, now watch these words, so that he became. If that man had not believed, he would have died childless. He believed to become. All right, I'm gonna ask you what kind of person you are. I'm gonna see if you're a faith person or not. Are you one of those people that says, when I see it, I'll believe it. Get off the train, doc. You can't walk with this God. If you have to see it to believe it, you've gone as far as you can go. Or are you one of those people like Abraham who says, when I believe it, I will see it. Which goes first, seeing or believing. That man against all hope believed and he became. Did he believe before he became or did he become before he believed? Yes, sir. He believed God before he saw it. Dear ones, you're going to have to learn to believe God before you see it. Anybody can shout after it shows up. That's good preaching right there. Anybody can shout after it shows up. Faith people can shout before they see a thing. Amen. You need to say to people when you pray and they say, well, what do you think will happen? You need to tell them, God hears my prayers. And he's going to answer this one. That's, listen, faith can see it before it gets there. It can believe and become. Now, I want, to, I want to show you two things we deal with here. I want you to look with me. This is just, oh, I love this right here. So shall your descendants be. Now verses 19 and 20 tell us how to destroy our faith or grow our faith. Do you want to destroy your faith or you want to grow it? Obviously we want to grow it. That man's faith brought him the desires of his heart. Here's the announcement. Your faith will bring you the desires of your heart. It, it's done me so far. And I got a whole lot bigger stuff to believe for in the next 20 to 22 years. All right, watch this. I love this. Verse 19. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. Now that didn't mean he was technically dead. It meant he was useless. His body was useless for producing children, And the deadness of Sarah's womb. Good gosh almighty. What would he not do? He wouldn't even look at her. Because <laughs> don't, don't, if he had stared at Sarah, guess what would happen? He would have become, what does it say? Weak in faith. If you spend all your time staring at your circumstances, your face going to be destroyed. He didn't look, he didn't look, he didn't get up in the morning and get out of the shower. I guess they get out of the shower. Then dry himself up, look in the mirror and go, ooh. I'm a hundred year old man, pretty shaggy anyway, you cut it. And Sarah comes in, how old is Sarah now? She's 90. 90. And he looks over and he says, I just can't see you with a baby bump, baby. I mean, just if he if you stare at the stuff around you, it'll destroy your faith. He did not become weak in faith by staring at the circumstances. His body, her body. Why are you reading a newspaper? Why are you listening to the media puke Corona all the time? You want your faith to just be destroyed. Destroy your faith by looking at it. Watch this. He built his faith. He didn't destroy it. He told Sarah, don't come in this part of the house till this is over. Verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God. He kept his eyes on the God who made the promise and the promise of the God instead of the garbage going on around him. Dear one's great faith comes from glorifying God, keeping your eye on what he promised. There will always be a contradiction and a tug of war between what your intellect and emotions tell you and between what God tells you. Listen, my son attend unto my word. It is life to those who find it. And you and strengthen, can you see that faith can go up and down? He did not become weak in faith. He was strengthened in faith. He kept his eyes in the right place. And he grew in that faith. And it, it, was, just, it was just wonderful. All right, he didn't waver at the promise. Now, I love verse 21. I know I say I love him a lot, but this, I love this one double. Verse 21 says this, being fully convinced that what God had promised he was able to perform. How about you? Are you deep down in your heart fully convinced that if that man said it, it will come to pass? Well, that's what faith does. Faith will cause you, I mean, you'll bet the whole farm on it. God said it. He's going to do it. Now listen to me. Not, not for Abraham, for this family. He's going to do it for me. Faith, you, Your faith can grow in your heart to the place where you become fully convinced it's coming. I've got the Let's say it again. I've got substance of the things hoped for. I've got evidence of the things I had not seen yet. I mean, you just know that. Here's the theological term for it. Here's the theological. It's down here. Not up here. It's down here. You just know that you know down in your knower. That's called faith. That's when your heart grows. Listen, faith is in the heart, dear ones, not the head. The Bible says, with the heart, man believeth. God puts stuff in your heart. You just know that he's going to do it. Watch. And you want you, you want the word to grow to that point inside of you to where that happens and uh, guess what happened somebody take a wild guess did she have that baby or not he's the father of many nations today guess why God gave that man the desires of his heart because he chose to believe him did he deserve it Abraham boogered up pretty bad it's not about how good I am it's about how good God is all right we've had fun with Abraham your turn God's never changed He never changes. This is how he operates right here. This is his nature. He is a faith God. And I want you to do two things for your life. Number one, I want you to have Logos faith. I want you to get in that book and you find everything in there he's promised his family. And I want you to say, it is mine. God's going to do this for me. I found in this book that God promised peace that passes understanding. I don't have to be worried and I don't have to be afraid and I'm not going to be. You can be if you want to. But why would I worry when I don't have to, if he's promised me a peace that passes understanding? Matter of fact, it's his peace. My peace I give unto you. I found in this book that you can live rejoicing and the joy of the Lord can be your strength. Why would I be depressed when I got the joy of Jesus? On and on and on. Get in this book and get the low gospel. Let me tell you what I want you to do. I want you to get with God and get the rhema word for you. There's some things he wants to promise you personally that don't belong to anybody else. You say, well, like, have you got his number? How can I... He will give you the desires of your heart. You'd be surprised how much, you, how many of the things that come into this heart right here, and you just go, man. You'd be surprised. That's him talking to you. That's him plant. He puts them in your heart. And I want you to get alone. Let him put things in your heart. As I said earlier, and the only way I can, I can just the only way I know to illustrate, this. When you're alone with God, He speaks to you. And you just say, "Talk to me." Let Him speak to your heart my plans and maybe you know my plans your plans we all got plans but one day I said not my will but thine be done all right my plans were to pastor till I was about 65 or so and then I was gonna wind it down a little bit i was gonna take a little country church and I was gonna spend a whole lot more time fishing for fish than fishing for men and me and the girl that I love was gonna finish out our days hugging and kissing and fishing and hanging around the farm and then we're gonna go to glory and it's gonna be wonderful I got so excited about that, I forgot what I said. That That was my plans. But as I'm praying, something begins to happen down here that's a whole lot bigger than that right there. You say, Brother Brian, you're you're 63 years old coming up. Ain't it about time for you to wind down? Let me make an announcement. God's got this thing about old men. Moses started at 80. Caleb took the land at 85. Abraham got started at 100. I'm really too young to do God's will yet. You say, that, that's just non-intellectual. Got you. Yeah, that's right. You said don't make sense. Got you. Right. You say, I don't know how much you've screwed up. Got you. God likes to take screwed up old people. <laughs> he will work with young people too. And he's put dreams in my heart for the next 20 to 22 years that I, I know some of you in this room are people of faith. You'd laugh if I said it. It will pass. It will go way past what I've seen in the past 40 this was not my intention. My intention was to wind down and fish. He's put something in my heart, and uh, you'd laugh. But I'm going to tell you something. He who said it is able. And and when I think about it, I can't sleep at night. I get so excited. He's got a plan just like that for you. Now I'm not going to tell you what mine is because it won't be yours. He fashions their hearts individually. He has a personal something. And if, you, if he would just open the file and say, look there right there, you would say, I will crawl across broken glass to get that. You don't have to. Jesus died to get it. You have to believe. But you can't believe till you hear. Because faith is a substance of things hoped for and it comes by hearing. So you need to hear it. And you need to lay hold of what is. I, I want. Can you tell this is in my heart? I want so much for you to get everything he has written for you. You saw it happens this morning. All right, let me address one more thing I'm doing. We're living in a day where people are nervous about the future and worried and, you know, the, the, the economy, the, the virus, the general direction of our nation. It's dictating our thinking more than the word of God today. We don't live by the news. We don't live by We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let God chart the future. Listen to me what happened. This is not the first time this happened in our nation. I'm just going to give you one example, and I'm done. You know why I keep saying I'm done? I hope to be done someday. Here's the deal it was the 1960s. There was a man, uh, he was a songwriter named Bill Gaither. And Bill Gaither was a high school music teacher. I think I've told this before, but it's a great illustration. He was a high school music teacher. He'd just gotten married to Gloria, he's from Indiana. And just got married to Gloria. And I don't know, those of you that didn't live through the 60s, you don't remember what difficult days those were. Our nation was divided more than it is now, I think. We were in the, we were in the heat of Vietnam. It was terrible. There was violence. There was violence on college campuses. College students were being shot by National Guardsmen. Four were killed at Kent State. Those were, those were rough days in our nation because we'd just come out of the glory days of post-World War II and the 60s were rough times in this nation. <clears throat> and uh, everybody was nervous about the future of our nation back then. And you know, it was during the, the uh, days of racial rioting and it was just a rough time. So this high school music teacher, he's a Christian, devout Christian. And uh, he began to get discouraged and depressed about what's going on in the nation, but just him and his wife. And he told his wife one night, he said, he uh, said, I don't don't think this is a land that I want to bring children into the way things are going. I don't think it'd be right to have kids in this day with what our nation's facing. See, the the news had got on him and the nation had got on him. And so they were talking about it. He said, I've gotten sort of depressed about what's going on in my land. And uh, later on the night, she said, let's go to bed. He said, you you go to bed. I'm going to sit up a little bit. So she went to bed and he sat in his recliner and he opened his Bible and he just began to pray. And God began to speak to him. And open his heart and to say to him through the word since when does the news dictate your future since when does what's going on around you dictate your future am I not God Almighty bigger than your circumstances am I not bigger than the mess in your nation and God so broke through and put something in his heart I think he took him outside and said look at the stars because that man did write as many songs as are the stars of the sky And God did the same thing to Bill that he did to Abraham. He said, lift up your head and let me talk to you. And he said, it so changed my heart that night. And he prayed for a while and then he reached out and he picked up a legal pad and he wrote these words. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to live, love and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives all fear is gone. I know he holds my future. Life is worth the living and concerning that baby thing. Second verse, how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy they bring, but greater still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days because Jesus is alive. Right. And he said that changed my heart completely from discouragement and despair about the future and kids and all that. And he said, I just, he said, nothing changed around me, but something changed inside of me. All right, God says to Abraham, come outside. And he says to Sarah, I'll be right back. They walk out on the porch. I actually had to get out from underneath the porch so they could look up. And uh, they went through all that. Abraham showed him. He saw the stars. He believed God. He came back in and he walked. God didn't come back in with him. God had to go home, probably answer prayers. And uh, so Abraham walks back in the house and Sarah goes, what are you so happy about? (laughs) And he said, you looking good tonight, baby. He came back and he was so excited. He went out discouraged. Why can I not have what I want? He came back in glowing in the dark. One word from God will change everything. And we need to hear it. We need to be a people of faith. Find out what he's got planned for you. Find out what he's got in store for you. So brother mine, I don't, I don't want to be a missionary and I don't want to be a preacher. I don't either, really. <laughs> Dear ones, why would you think he'd make you do something you don't want to do? Can I go just a little further? I was going to quit, but heck, the Methodist ain't him out yet because he didn't go today. Can, can I just go a little bit further? Let me give you one more. I learned about this in college the hard way. My view of God was, fine, fine, we'll do it if it makes him happy. That is demonic. I always thought if you really wanted it, it couldn't be him. And I've told you this before, and I'm going to tell you again, because it's just an illustration of the goodness of God. right, I'm in college. I'm a ministerial student, ministerial student. I really wanted to be a highway patrolman so I could drive fast and shoot people, but I ended up being a minister. So I'm in ministerial school, and and I'm going to be a minister, and uh, I always knew that ministers need wives. Every preacher you've got to have a wife. And uh, so I knew it was time for me to be looking around for a wife. I'm in my early 20s. And, but I had a dilemma because my religious training had messed me up. Plus, I'd met a lot of minister's wives. That messed me up too. And uh, I thought, well, I need to get a wife. And I knew I ought to pray about it because I'd been, I had been taught to pray. And I thought, if I pray and ask him for a wife, I got to take what he gives. I mean, if he tells you, you got to take it. But I thought, if I don't ask him, I can pick out what I want here's how crappy religious thinking is because I thought if I asked him to give me a wife he's going to give me some old battle axe that has a bouffant hairdo and wears cat glasses and plays the organ in church and don't like to kiss. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And then I've got to take her and live with her the rest of my life. Ah! Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you an old battle axe that'll drive you. Is that what he says? I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that. But I'm just showing you how stupid religious thinking is. But See, I didn't want to know. I didn't want a preacher's wife. I wanted a good looking woman. I wanted one that didn't want to play the organ in church. I, I'm not against organs. That just ain't me. And I wanted one that could kiss. I didn't want one to go WMU meeting all the time. I want to stay home and kiss me is what I wanted. I know you see you're so carnal. Yeah. I'm normal. I'm not a preacher, drug driver. And, uh, I thought, well, but you know what? I hunkered down and finally said, I will be done. I will be done. It's the right thing to do. Send her on. I'll live with her. (laughs) Guess what? He gave me the desire of my heart. My wife don't play the organ. Thank God. She don't wear cat eye glasses. She's good looking. And that woman can kiss. God have mercy that woman can kiss. I'm telling you. And it's just, all my life has been like that. He just keeps giving me great stuff. It, that's just the goodness of God. I didn't even get carried away with all that. The point is, here, I'm going to sum it all up. God is good. God is good. If you'll let him drive the boat, he'll take you places you can never take yourself. By faith. By faith. Lord Jesus, I love you and praise you and thank you. I probably shouldn't have told that story about that battle axe thing. I'm sorry. Forgive me for that. I just want people to know how good you are. I want people to know that you will give them the desires of their heart. You took that man and you, you said to him, you want a child? I'll give you thousands. Help us to know this is you speaking to us to teach us how good you are. You gave him everything his heart desired. I give you all the praise and glory. I worship you and honor you. I want to pray for every person listening and I'm, I'm not going to pray for you to do something. I'm going to call those things which be not as though they were since that's your nature. I declare they are great men and women of faith. I declare they can see things nobody else can see. I declare they have the mind and heart of God. And I believe you to to just light their hearts up with the plans you have. They are so good. I want to praise you and thank you that what's going on around us in our land does not dictate our futures. The living God who fills heaven and earth controls my future. And you are good. I give you the praise and glory. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.